Hi, I'm Dave Rowe, welcoming you back to the Calgary Stampeder Podcast. And this week, we're going to continue our look at the crew associated with bringing you football and football talk for the Calgary Stampeders on 770 CHQR. Well, he's technically not part of the team that brings you football broadcast week in and week out. It really feels like CFL insider Glenn Suter is a part of the team. Suter joins Jock Wilson twice a week on Sports Talk, 7 o'clock on 770 CHQR. And we were able to catch up with Glenn Suter and just get his story, his story, his time in the CFL, his transitioning to become one of the top CFL analysts in the country and what the game means to him now. On the Calgary Stampeder podcast, it's a real pleasure to be joined by our good friend. Of course, he is a regular CFL insider on 770CHQR. I'm talking about Glenn Suter from TSN. Mr. Suter, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for joining us in the Calgary Stampeder podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to be on. That's, okay, uh, where do we start? Well, well I, I'm going to take you way back. Now, 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 okay. you were you were born on on Vancouver Island, right? Well, yeah. I mean, my my parents were over on Vancouver Island for years. I was actually born in New Westminster. Oh, were you born in New West? Okay. Yeah, spent some time. I know it says in all the fact books I've ever been in that I was in Sydney, Sydney, Vancouver Island, mm-hmm. and. And actually, I've I've been meaning to edit that. I think it's even in Wikipedia. <laughs> I've, been, I've been I've been meaning to edit that that I wasn't actually born there, even though it says I was born there. But my parents lived in Sydney for a long, long time, okay. and uh, I ended up, uh, you know, really quite young, just coming out of high school. I ended up living with uh, a, a player for the BC Lions named Devon Ford. I don't know if you remember Devon. Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a kick returner from North Carolina. And he came up to play with the BC Lions. And I, I met him, actually, because my girlfriend at the time took me to church one day, which was a good idea for me. <laughs> Could help me along the way. Helps but, a lot of people. Yeah, but, um, you know, and I met Devon Ford, and, and he needed a place to stay. And he said, if, if you want to move out, and my parents were moving to the island. So I said, you know what, I, I want to stay in Vancouver because I'm pursuing my dream, which is to go to Simon Fraser University, play football there, and and then take that and get try and and produce a either being picked in the draft or if not to walk onto a camp and and try to make a pro football team. And I and I I believed or I I, I wanted to fight for and dreamed of being a, a player in the Canadian Football League. Honestly, from the time I can remember having dreams, and I you know I want to say six, seven, eight years old. Really. I was I was a kid throwing the ball around on the street, trying to keep my feet in bounds at the curb, and and thinking about playing in the Canadian Football League. My dad would bring me down from we lived in Prince George for a while when I was really young, and and he was in uh, telecommunications in BC Tel at the time, and we'd drive the 500 miles to go to one Lions game a year, and I would go in with a Nolly chip seat. Uh, empty bag of Nally chips because they had that promotion in Empire Stadium and I would go and sit in the end zone and he would go and sit at the you know the 40-yard line or wherever his seats were and then after the game I'd run on the field and with all the kids you know this is eight nine ten years old and you you get to high five the BC Lions and I I still to this day Jock I have the chin strap of of Jim Young 330 from the BC Lions years and years ago as he kneeled down when I was like a 10-year-old kid and he spent 
five minutes talking to this fan wow. and said, here, have my chin strap. And I still have that chin strap today. That is such an amazing story, and, and, and it tells you just, you know, how important that initial contact is with one of your so-called heroes, you know, growing up. And uh, b- before I go down that path, maybe just, you know, w- what was the passion? Uh, w- why did why did you want to be involved in, in, in football so badly? You know, I, I just, I love the fact that, you know, in the game required so many different people, different types of people, different body uh, types, different sizes if you know you you were you could be a 300 pounder and you and you had to and you were just as important as as the little kid i mean and i'll be honest with you my my parents we weren't poor but you know we were we were careful and hockey was expensive mm-hmm. hockey was very expensive and and a lot of my friends were playing hockey and and my father basically said listen why don't you try soccer or something that's not quite as expensive soccer and in football and minor football at that time in Prince George, when I was very young, um, it, it, all you had to do was have your football shoes. You didn't, you didn't have to buy the equipment or anything. It was all provided. And you paid the registration fee and you bought your shoes and that was it. And so I got an early taste of football. And, and the moment I got out there and, and I was out there with these big, huge guys, I mean, for us as kids, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're a lot closer in, in size when you're really young, but you know, some, some big guys that couldn't run very well, but were important in a different way. And then there was quarterbacks. And I love the idea of just being able to walk out on the street and throw the ball around with my friends without getting nets and, and a basketball hoop or things like that. I mean, I love other sports, but boy, I just, I just fell in love with football immediately because of, of, of how you had to work together and, you were all sort of an integral part and it, and it just grew a friendship and trust with those guys immediately. And I just, I love that part of it. I kind of wish more kids would do that today because I'm like you, you know, we we grew up, we played street hockey, we took the football, you know, out to the field and we, and we played catch and, you know, you you can go back and and, and look at all those memories. And I I just, you know, maybe I'm old, but I don't see today's (laughs) kids doing that. (laughs) Well, I, you know, I, I think, there, there may be sort of a connection with different sports through their Xbox and their, you know, their Playstations yeah. and things like that. I, I, you know, it's, it's different now, obviously, but you know, I think there is something to be said by still trying to get the, your kids outside and, you know, getting to throw the ball around. I mean, just, just communicating, you know, even to say, you know, if you're, if you're playing four on four or five on five football, flag football, and you're and you're in the huddle talking as the quarterback to your receiver and you're trying to talk to each other about in order to accomplish something here today, we have to work together on this play. And this is what I need you to do. And this is what I will do. And this is how we will be successful on this play. I mean, that's communication skills. And then when you're not successful and you feel that, that empty feeling of losing a game or not successful in a play, then you have to learn how to overcome that. You learn how to train your mind to overcome that. So I think there are so many great life lessons in playing uh, sports and being outside and being in good shape physically. Um, you know, that, that, I, that is missing, that, that we've got to be careful that we don't let slip and disappear. Was there an aha moment for Glenn Suter as, as a youngster saying, okay, I, I, I am going to make, you know, football a profession? There, there was, and uh, I'll, I'll, I don't, I don't want to be too long-winded on the story, but uh, it, there really was. It was my coach in high school it, at 
Carson Graham High School in North Vancouver. His name is Earl Henderson. He's still with us today. He coached, I think, three generations of football families, basically, where he coached the dad, the son, and the son's son. Um, that's how long he was there. He was my coach, and I didn't know it till years later, but when I was in my grade 11 year going into grade 12, I was playing quarterback in high school, and we were running the run-and-shoot offense. And Mouse Davis had created the run-and-shoot offense at that time, and, and June Jones, uh, who CFL fans know well, was um, you know one of the the quarterbacks and architects of the of the run and shoot. So there was a camp in Portland, Oregon, and my coach paid for me in my grade eleven off season, going into my senior year in high school, to go to this camp and learn from the architects of the run and shoot. So I was down in in Portland, Oregon, and I was in this football camp. Didn't know that he paid for it. Thought my parents did. Um, but I, I, I had a, a meeting with June Jones and I, and I asked him about it much later, like a couple of years ago, he didn't remember it, but uh, you know, I had a meeting. I was, I was the only Canadian kid of about 80, uh, participants in the camp, all quarterbacks, a lot of which have gone on not only to major college football, but to the NFL. Um, and the coaches came up and said, listen, you keep with it. You can play division one college football quarterback. And I thought, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to continue to play quarterback beyond high school, but just to hear that from Mouse Davis and from June Jones and then coming back and finding out years later that my coach had paid for me to go and get that experience, it gave me that boost of confidence to say, maybe this is really possible. I mean, I've always dreamed of it, but then I started believing in it. And then I started training. And then I started really deciding that I'm going for this um, and I'm going to spend whatever time is necessary to try and get there and get it done. So that, that was kind of that aha moment for me to be down in this camp, the only Canadian down there and have these guys say, Hey, you can play top notch college football on either side of the border. You just keep with it and keep, keep doing what you're doing because athletically you can still do it or you, or you can do it. And when I heard those guys say it, I was like, wow. So that, that, you know, that lesson again is if you, if you played minor football, go and thank your coach Um, later in life when you're a businessman or you're running a company or you're off being a teacher or a firefighter or whatever you're doing, go back and, and say to your high school coach or your, or your amateur coach and say, Hey, thank you because I know you did a ton of stuff for me that I didn't even realize at the time, but I certainly do now. Glenn Suter sharing some great stories here on the uh, Calgary Stampeder podcast and, and some great advice. I, I don't want to talk about your pro career because I think most football fans know your pro career. So I, I want to switch gears when you decided to step into the broadcast booth. I, I believe 1995 is when you transitioned into the, uh, the broadcast booth. Uh, tell us that story. Uh, how did it work out with TSN? Well, you know, when I was playing in Saskatchewan, I, I was, you know, just meeting a lot of different people, obviously, in the city and fans and, and friends. And, uh, you know, you, there's still some of my best friends today uh, are guys that I met while I was playing there. And a couple of them were in radio. And so when I got to know these guys and we, we hung out outside of the game and outside of broadcasting, but, you know, just going for dinners and things like that and becoming friends and 
Then they would bring me on the radio station as a guest while I was playing. And through that process over a year or two, uh, the sports director for the radio station decided that he was going to move on to Ottawa. And we needed, or the station at the time, uh, my friends were working for, needed a, uh, a new sports director. And so I, I had a meeting with the producer, and the guy said, uh, you know, what do you think about a career in broadcasting? Because you've been on as a guest, as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, with your friends that are morning men for both the AM and FM station. And how would you feel about, you know, maybe auditioning for the for the gig as sports director and doing both stations and doing sports? And I said, wow, you know, like, that's not what I went to school for. I you know, had no idea if I could do it. But I said, sure, let's let's give it a try. You know, just sort of keeping all my options open. I certainly wasn't retiring at the time, but I was going to keep those options open and mm-hmm. see if I could possibly do it. Why not? And so I, I did the first audition and I sat down with, with the producer, the executive producer of the radio station, and we listened to the tape and he said, well, uh, you're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he said it too. He just sort of you're not you're not very good. But he said, but the stuff that you're not good at, we can train you. We can help you. But because he said the the comfort level on the air is there. What you're missing is the structure. Mm-hmm. What you're missing is building a story how you put together a broadcast, you know, all of the things that you have learned throughout the years and, and preparing for your job, Jock, same thing, that I, I had no idea how to do that. And so you, you could tell by listening to me do a commentary on a hockey or football at the time in an audition and, and just not not having the structure or any sort of rhyme or reason or it was kind of all over the map and and he said, so you're not very good, but the stuff that we can, you know, the stuff that you're not good at, we can fix. And it's harder to fix a broadcaster who's nervous on the air, a guy who's intimidated by the mic. And, and you know, sometimes you just can't teach people to, to be comfortable. So, you know, you're comfortable. That part we're happy with. And they gave me the job. So while I was playing football for my last three years, I, I – did both. I, I was okay. on the morning show on the morning show for both uh, stations. Both getting getting up early. Getting up early. I was up at four a.m. Yeah, yeah. four a.m. I'd do the morning shift. I'd go to the to the facility, the football facility, at nine o'clock after the shift was over. Do my weights, do the meetings, uh, get on in the practice field, uh, and then do my preparation and film work after, and then go to the you know go go to bed, get my prep done for the next morning sports shows. Uh, and you know, I was a sports director, but uh, but doing live the sports mm-hmm. on the air on both sides, like on the half hour on AM and on the top of the hour on on FM. And but there, that was some grind. That was those were some long days, especially oh, yeah. if you extended the night. <laughs> <laughs> now that never happened, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. been in the business too long. I know what happens uh, a few times. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so, well, that was, so that was the beginning. Yeah, of- and, and and obviously that opened the door, you know, for when your playing career ended to to obviously make the jump to the TV broadcast booth. Yeah, exactly. So so I went from from doing that radio for a couple of years, and and TSN had actually heard some. In fact, I think they might have done a feature uh, on on the fact that I had both jobs. 
you know, for, for one of the games that, that, that I played in, but it was the great cup in BC and it was the, what was it? The 94 great cup in BC. I'm not sure if I'm getting that right, but it was the, it was that great cup where they knew I had done radio. So TSN called me and said, would you be interested in being a color analyst with um, John Wells and the late Lee Pedersen and you would be our third analyst because you're in the game. You guys, we were out of the playoffs, so mm-hmm. we didn't. We, <laughs> we I had the, I had time on my hands. Um, that was back in those days in Saskatchewan. But I, I said, yeah, absolutely, I'd love it. I went and I was sort of the third analyst for the radio broadcast of the Grey Cup because CBC had the rights to the game right, for right. television, but TSN had the rights for radio across the country and even around the world, like overseas for military. So I was a third analyst and that's when TSN first heard me. And then in that off season, they sent me a note that gave me a call saying, we are going to add another crew and Leaf and John Wells will be crew number one, but we're going to build a second crew and we would like you to come and audition. So this was the Friday before I was leaving to drive to training camp on the Saturday. And they called me and said, you'd have to retire, obviously, but we're looking to build and, and you're going to have to make the decision. We need to know by Monday. Wow. Pressure. Yeah. So, so I wanted to play three more years, four more years. I, I was training in Vancouver. I was ready to go to camp. We were about three, four weeks out of camp, but I was going to go early, get my house, get a place to stay, all of those things. And I was prepared for a football season and they gave me that call. And I, I turned to my wife and I said, this is an opportunity that and a window that will close if I don't jump through it. And I, I, I had to have, it was, it was maybe the longest weekend professionally of my life because I had to make the decision to walk away from the game and I wasn't completely sure if I even knew how to be a color analyst. Mm-hmm. So it was a leap of faith and it was less money at the, in my first contract at TSN. Um, that's changed, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, it was less money and, you know, but it, it, it had nothing to do with money. It, right. it really didn't have anything to do. It had to do with, this was the end of my dream that I'd had since I was six or seven. Wow. That's... And, and now I was going to walk away when I was healthy and, and I had a two-year contract. So I called Al Ford, who was our general manager. I had the long conversation with him. He was fantastic. He, he said to me something along the lines of, you know, Glenn, you will be our safety as long as you want to be. And you have to make this decision. So let me know either way. Um, and you give me a call, but he, he just, it was fantastic of him to say what I knew wasn't really true that, you know, anyone can, can be beat out of their position. And I knew that, but he just said, listen, you're our safety. Um, it is close to camp, but everybody faces this decision at some point in their career. So uh, let us know what you think. Uh, my wife would not interject in any way, which was really smart on her part because if it didn't work out, I would have blamed her. (laughs) But, you know, basically it was a long weekend of, of, you know, just, just trying to figure out what the best pass would be. And I, and I, I ended up coming to the conclusion that I was going to make the transition because of two things. One, 
I, I had been part of a championship team in 89. And when you sign up to play, that's the goal. The goal is to win and the goal is to be a champion. And when you get that feeling, and I had had that feeling, I thought, yeah, I'd love to chase another one, but I have had that feeling. So that was a major factor in, in the decision. And the other was, was quite honestly, you know, we were young. We wanted to have a family. Uh, I knew I couldn't play football forever. And that at that age, I was, I was probably on borrowed time anyway. And that this is, a, this is a window of opportunity that could close. So that's why I made the decision. I tell you what, I've learned a lot about Glenn Suter on this podcast. This is uh, this has been a great, and, and I'm out of time. You know, the amazing thing is we could talk for another 20, 30, 40 minutes because uh, I yeah, didn't even get yeah. to half of my questions. But uh, really appreciate uh, your time and your insight. Uh, love doing the show with you on 770 CHQR, and I will have to do it again, my friend. Always a pleasure, Jock. Thank you for having me. That's all the time we have on this week's Calgary Stampeder podcast. Just a reminder, we'd love you to take the time out and rate us, let you know what you think of the podcast. Also, drop a line to us. Let us know any great ideas you have for future podcasts. And remember, catch us anywhere you get your podcasts out there. For Jock Wilson, I'm Dave Rowe.